From Islamic Finance News, the world's leading Islamic finance news provider, this is IFN Podcast. Liquidity management for Islamic financial institutions has been a persistent challenge for the industry. Why is that so? And what is currently being done to tear down that hurdle? My name is Vini Tatan. And to understand the current landscape, into this episode, we speak to Dr. Umar Oseni, the CEO of International Islamic Liquidity Management Corporation, or IILM, a supranational established by central banks and a multilateral financial institutions with the mandate of enhancing Islamic cross-border liquidity. Dr. Umar, thank you so much for joining us today. So, liquidity management for Islamic financial institutions has always been this persisting challenge for the industry. Can you set the context for us, please? Basically, what is the state of Islamic liquidity management presently? We know what trends are you seeing in terms of Islamic short-term instruments, particularly on the cross-border basis? Definitely. Uh, liquidity management generally is an important uh, concept in finance, and uh, as you have noticed, uh, experts continue to explore different uh, ways to actually achieve this goal uh, because liquidity risk is uh, undiversifiable kind of risk mm-hmm. generally and uh, this is actually inherent in every business you know and uh, the Islamic finance industry is not uh, an exception to this fact. Now liquidity management is even more of a concern and a fundamental topic in the Islamic finance industry because of the dearth of uh, Sharia compliant uh, liquidity risk management tools available to institutions offering Islamic financial services uh, globally. And uh, this threat actually, you know, it's kind of real and uh, it poses a major kind of challenge to the sustainability of the industry. However, you know, the industry has evolved over the years, you know, providing various tools such as Kumatumara Bahar, Interbank Placements, uh, Repos, Card Facility, and a few other tools, you know, to help Islamic financial institutions manage uh, their liquidity. But despite uh, this development, the industry is yet to really attain uh, the desired level I mean, uh, in liquidity management due to a number of challenges, and uh, I'm happy to share some of them. Uh, you have uh, the different Sharia interpretations across uh, various jurisdictions. Uh, we also have the challenge of low supply of sovereign support available to support structuring of short-term support. I mean, that's our space at the moment. And uh, low level of assets qualifying as HQLA. Coming to Morocco, definitely is not an HQLA tool. Um, we also have the challenge of excessive dependency on the commodity moral transaction. Now, my emphasis here is excessive dependence of Islamic financial institutions on commodity moral transaction. This itself poses what we call a systemic risk for the global Islamic finance industry. And uh, I guess there is another challenge relating to the high risk involved in interbank uh, kind of placements. Uh, again, foreign risk, uh, currency risk, and scarcity of Islamic hedging instruments, it's another major challenge uh, we have. And perhaps finally, I'd like to also include the lack of Shura compliant collaterals and low debt of uh, the Islamic capital market. Now, considering this challenge in the light of uh, a sophisticated global financial system, stakeholders in the Islamic finance industry, particularly the monetary authorities and central banks, uh, came together in uh, October 2010 to establish an institution that will provide high-quality liquid assets, the HQLA assets, 
you know, to institutions offering Islamic financial services across the world, and that gave birth to the IILM in 2010. Now, the IILM's goal is a cross-border liquidity uh, management tool, uh, which is currently implemented in US dollars, even though we can issue in reserve currencies. Uh, we use uh, what you call an asset-backed commercial paper structure, where short-term Sukoga are issued uh, based on a long-term kind of asset pool. This has been a groundbreaking innovation uh, for the industry, and uh, over the years, a lot of milestones have been achieved. As of today, we have uh, cumulative uh, Sukuk issuance of about 90 billion US dollars since our inaugural issuance in August 2013. We have uh, also, you know, regular issuances of, uh, you know, Sukuk in the market. And uh, we have since completed the curve with a 12 month Sukuk we issued, uh, you know, twice uh, this year, 2022. We have also, uh, you know, a diversified and broadened kind of investor base across the globe, uh, helping to manage uh, liquidity across uh, different jurisdictions. And I would like to add as well that the ILM support benefits from uh, active secondary markets. Uh, this is actually very relevant for liquidity management. And we've seen increased uh, kind of trading uh, volume on a monthly basis. And as of December 2022, the average monthly uh, trading was uh, 185 million US, million US dollars. And, and of course, the island short-term support is rated by two major rating agencies, uh, that's Fitch and uh, uh, S&P. As of November 2022, the island and uh, make up to 37% of total global uh, USD support. You know, I mean, again, this is an estimate. Uh, you know, I, I guess the current estimate is about $34 billion, excluding private placements. Definitely, we cannot track uh, some of those private, uh, you know, uh, you know, placements. So this is actually the current state of things, you know, from my own perspective. I think that's really interesting, some points that you brought up. And yeah. I think before we, I would really like to dive deeper into what ILM has done and really yeah. the impact on the industry. But yeah. you brought up an interesting point, which I hope to dissect a little bit further. Sure. You talk about the over-reliance on commodity which is very interesting and it is true like this is a well-known fact in in the industry how do you think i mean I, how, how are we going to overcome that because there is an over-reliance but are there enough alternatives for financial institutions yeah i think that's a very good question uh, yes i think the industry experts have developed this product um uh, and it's quite uh, good but it's been used for many years right now we do have some share objections to this, and uh, using Komento Moroba also for structuring some support uh, has been quite controversial in light of uh, the recent uh, AOF share standard 59. I wouldn't want to go into further details about this uh, because it's not really you know why I'm here. Uh, but I think it's important to see the volume of trade you know happening on a daily basis is huge. So from the perspective of systemic risk. We do feel that uh, we should actually explore other products. Now, the alternative could be the IILM Sukuk. But the IILM only has a $4 billion program. That yeah. is just a drop in ocean, considering the balance sheet of uh, you know, Islamic banks globally. So I guess the industry needs to be proactive in coming up with more cross-border liquidity management tools that are not only Sharia compliant, but are also effective you know, for banks globally. You mentioned the ILM inaugural issues took place in 2013, and we started. ILM did meet a very crucial need or a gap in the market. With, you know, two months, three months, six months issuances, and this year in 2022, 
the ILM reached a new milestone, which is its inaugural 12-month issuance. What was behind the decision of extending the yield curve, and what does this actually mean for Islamic financial markets? Uh, yeah, when you have an institution that actually has been created to provide HQLA, that is high-quality liquid assets that are share compliant for the cross-border market, one unique thing is that the first thing you would like to recognize it is a short-term paper. As an Islamic money market paper, you can actually issue from one month up to 364 days. Now, we started off with uh, a three-month paper on a regular basis in uh, 2013. And uh, subsequently, we introduced the six-month paper as well. And uh, it was, I think, in 2019, we introduced a one-month paper, and we've been regularly issuing the one-month paper. So what we did in 2022 was just to complete the curve. Since we've been issuing the one-month, the three-months, and the six-months, we wanted to extend it to the 12 months. And the purpose of this is to actually address the varying liquidity needs of Islamic financial institutions across the world. This is the core mandate of the ILLM to issue HQLA paper that is not only cross-border, but also Sharia compliant. Uh, and in a way, you are addressing the varying liquidity needs of uh, some of these institutions. They do have varying liquidity needs. Asset managers, their needs are different from the Islamic banks generally. So the 12 month issuance was to meet this growing demand of investors. And it's based on the feedback we get from the market generally, whenever we do our roadshows or whenever I speak in events globally. So we introduced this to address the growing demand of the investors. And uh, the ILM is pleased to be able to really fulfill this kind of long lasting demand and subsequently contribute to the stability of uh, the global Islamic finance industry. Perhaps it's uh, important to emphasize that the 12-month support uh, was issued on the back of uh, tightening the monetary conditions when investors were quite cautious about, about their investment decisions. And uh, as you're aware, I mean, since the beginning of 2022, we were seeing sovereign issuers, you know, as well as financials and corporates staying on the sidelines, you know, as global central banks started to address a 40-year high inflation with an unexpected uh, aggressive stance. And the Federal Reserve started increasing rates in March 2022. We also saw central banks around the world with currencies uh, that are either pegged to the U.S. dollar or with majority exposure to its uh, basket, started tightening their own monetary policies. So despite the uncertain and volatile environment, the IILM managed to successfully issue the first 12-month cross-border support in the world. And uh, the demand for the 250 million uh, US dollars tranche we issued in July was uh, even oversubscribed up to 1.85 times. The second tranche was issued in October as well, and it was highly received by the market. It looks like each instrument very well received by the market. I'm interested to know the type of investors that you have. What are the profile of IILM so good investors? And have there been any changes in terms of the types of investors or the geographical distribution of investors since IILM's first offering in 2013? Uh, definitely, yeah, we do have an improved kind of global footprint globally of our, you know, our investors. And uh, since the ILM was established uh, you know, to cater to the very liquidity needs of our institutions offering Islamic financial services globally, the profile of our investors actually differ between you know the tenors we issue, uh, and um, I can say about seventy-two percent of uh, our investors are banks, uh, which includes more than eighty percent uh, of Islamic banks. 
And uh, over the years, supranational entities and the central bank buyers uh, have participated in the Ireland's auction and successfully subscribed to our you know, Islamic papers. For the 12 months Sukuk uh, tenor in particular that was issued in July 2022, we saw that the demand mainly came from the GCC region. And we have seen a higher participation from asset managers, which was about 12% of uh, the total amount issued. Now, this is quite important uh, because this is no doubt an uptick, given that asset managers generally uh, account for less than 5% of uh, the total issuance volume year to date. So uh, this was quite encouraging. It's interesting. Why, why do you think uh, was the reason for the search of uptake? Uh, definitely. I mean, asset managers, you know, prefer the longer tenors, you know, mm-hmm. here compared to Islamic banks who are actually, you know, managing their liquidity. You know, with the one month, three months, six months we've been issuing, particularly the one month, the Islamic right. banks actually, you know, prefer the one month paper uh, to manage their liquidity due to the, you know, Basel requirement, Basel federal requirements, uh, you know, you have the LCR guidelines. So I think uh, uh, we've seen an uptick in that as well. Earlier, you uh, touched a little bit on the trading yep. the secondary market. Can you explain a little bit more, really uh, give us more color on the secondary market trading of the ILMs? On the secondary market trading, generally, I think we've seen an uptick uh, because this is quite important for a liquid paper it has to be tradable on the secondary market. So to ensure that the paper is tradable, uh, we have ensured, number one, to actually have high tangibility ratio, because that is quite important uh, from the AOFI perspective. And I can tell you, uh, Sukuk, uh, you know, assets basically in the portfolio are 80%, uh, you know, tangible assets. Uh, this is important for the short-term paper, because we issue the short-term paper on the back of the underlying assets generally. And um, year to date, I think we've seen about 185 uh, million uh, trade, you know, turnover on the secondary market on a monthly basis, I mean, for the whole year. And for the whole year, I think we'll be seeing close to $2 billion, $2 billion, yes, in terms of trade volume, generally. And I think this is quite unique. This is the first time we've seen this kind of volume, uh, you know, on the secondary market. And uh, the good thing about the secondary market trade of Ireland and Sukuk as a cross-border paper is that we're able to actually monitor the liquidity in different jurisdictions and in different regions from Southeast Asia to the GCC. And we can connect investors in Southeast Asia who want to actually buy our Sukuk from primary dealers or other investors in the GCC. So this is quite unique for any liquid paper. And this is the essence of the Ireland and Sukuk itself to be able to actually provide a liquid paper that is of high quality and of cross-border purposes. Yeah. So it's encouraging to know that there, there is an increase or improvement in terms of trading. So IILM in 2022 also secured its second international rating, which is an F1 from Fitch, adding to S&P's A1. Can you tell us what this means for the organization and really its significance to the market? Yeah, after 10 years uh, in the market, uh, we're indeed very pleased to have received the second rating from Fitch Ratings, and uh, it's an F1 rating. Uh, this second rating actually marks a major milestone I mean, in the history of uh, the IILM. It's a key step. I mean, we consider it a key step in strengthening the ILM Sukuk as a highly rated, uh, you know, robust Islamic financial instrument for the benefit of uh, you know, cross-border liquidity management. And we've seen some investors actually who prefer to buy a paper that has two ratings, uh-huh. minimum of two ratings. This is quite important. And uh, based on the feedback we get from the market, and uh, we actually try to introduce new things. 
and I'm sure you'll be seeing more next year. And uh, the rating by Fitch reflects the interesting kind of strengths of the ILLM risk profile, and is expected to broaden the ILLM investor base. And uh, this will actually enhance liquidity, not only at, on the primary market, even on the secondary market as well. The Sukuk program we have actually benefits from 100% liquidity, and this was highlighted by Fitch as well, uh, you know, in its report. And uh, the program is supported by 10 primary dealers' uh, commitment, basically. And this is quite important to ensure that, uh, you know, you have liquidity in the program itself. In its research report, uh, Fitch also noted that the credit quality of each asset currently funded uh, by ILLM is commensurate with uh, the F1 rating of the program. As a unique organization with a clear policy mandate, the IILM is the only provider of cross-border Islamic liquidity management solutions in the short-term space with uh, a high credit quality instrument backed by a pool of sovereign, supranational and sovereign linked uh, obligations. So the ILM support also have been granted the appropriate uh, HQLA status you know, in terms of the regulatory treatment we you get from monetary authorities in various jurisdictions. It is widely acceptable under the Sharia principles uh, and as I said earlier the structure actually complies with the AOV standards with about 80% of tangible assets underpinning the support issuances. And at the moment the IALM has only issued in US dollars. Are there any plans for the IALM to issue in other currencies? Uh, definitely. I mean the current program allows the IILM to issue in reserve currencies. We've just uh, for now focused on uh, US dollars, and uh, any time from now, I, I guess, uh, we'll be issuing in other reserve currencies. And of course, we've received some feedback from the market, and the market actually also needs uh, more issuances in local currencies. We've seen this in some jurisdictions like Malaysia and recently in Qatar. Uh, Nigeria and a few others are also developing their programs, you know, to issue in local yes. currencies. We do advise some of the, the monetary authorities and central banks uh, based on our track record. And uh, I think this is something we'll continue to do to ensure we have more liquid instruments across the world. And in terms, earlier you also mentioned how the geographical pool of the investors have expanded over the years. Yeah. You mentioned the 12 months was particularly active within the GCC investors. Are there any particular region that ILM is kind of focusing on in terms of Sukuk take-up? In terms of Sukuk take-up, uh, we have seen a lot of, uh, uh, you know, active investors, you know, of course, in the GCC, uh, Southeast Asia. Now, beyond these regions, we've also seen some African investors, you know, actually buying our Sukuk. And, of course, we've gotten a number of investors from Europe as well. So, we have this kind of uh, global footprints, and we do track uh, our investors across the world. Yeah, we are issuing a Reg S at the moment, so we have not started issuing 144A. But again, uh, this is something we are working on as well, to look into the U.S. market as well. We're getting a lot of reverse inquiries, so that's another good market, you know, for this kind of instrument. But again, um, yeah, this is something that we're going to work on, and it's going to take some time. But at the moment, it's still Reg S, the whole world except the United States. And what about um, IALM membership? Uh, are there any plans to expand it? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we are not uh, kind of, uh, you know, a standard setting body and uh, we're unique in the market and the shareholders are actually, you know, uh, members who have invested in, in institutions and of course, uh, you know, they make a lot of money from it. So uh, 
decisions to expand the membership actually will come later from the board when the right time actually comes there. Also, earlier you talked about Sharia standards, uh, AFV standard 59, which is an important development. Also, this year and you know, in recent times, I think what has dominated the conversation of Islamic finance is also like LIBOR, the LIBOR transition, um, ESG topics. So what are the IALM's approach and thoughts on this issue? Yeah, these are quite interesting uh, issues, you know, when you talk about LIBOR and ESG. Now, the ILLM being an international organization uh, which deals with investors globally, we are not actually, you know, uh, immune from all these developments. I mean, we have to be active. We are actually proactive, you know, uh, in actually contributing our own thoughts on some of these issues. And um, as a, a proactive institution, you know, that has recognized that adaptation is key to success, basically, you know, if you really don't uh, change, you will actually be changed. So, having this in mind, we are always evolving and positioning uh, our long-term strategies and business operations to be sustainable and robust in an ever-dynamic, uh, changing world that we live in. Now, the LIBOR transition, which is scheduled for, you know, June 2023, is of interest, especially for institutions like ours uh, that operate in the money market space. We use LIBOR as a benchmark for pricing because of its global acceptance. We are aligned with the transition, which is underpinned by you know the fact that LIBOR is susceptible to bias and manipulations. Now, the alternative to LIBOR varies amongst jurisdictions, but uh, we, as a dollar-denominated product provider, prefer SOFR. SOFR, as you know, is a secured over nine financing rate. And we are in top gear to transit smoothly into your term so far by early 2023. Now, secondly, there is no doubt that the climate change concerns have uh, dominated discussions at uh, global level. The IILM is pro-ESG generally. Uh, we believe the world deserves to be a better place. And conserving the environment to make it more habitable is a just call. In line with the impact investing, we believe social goals such as sustainable development goals and more should be considered by the industry as they are even more aligned to Islamic principles where social impact, fairness, justice, uh, you know, are prioritized in commercial transactions. Transparency and good governance are also important ingredients I mean, in making organizations to thrive and achieve their desired goals. And um, we uphold this principle at the ILLM. Uh, as we are owned by central banks, who also exhibit the highest level of professionalism and corporate governance. So we are focused generally on supporting the global community to achieve the ESG goal, and we're planning to incorporate the acquisition of green asset into our, our portfolio anytime soon. Fantastic, really looking forward to that. So on that note, what else can we expect from the IALM next year yeah, definitely. Yeah, this is quite important. Yeah, next year and beyond, I guess uh, we'll be focusing more on exploring new markets, and uh, the U.S. market is important for us. Uh, that's number one. I mean, in terms of uh, looking into you know uh, some Islamic investors in the U.S., and uh, that requires uh, issuing a one four four A paper. And uh, diversifying the investor base is also key for us globally. We continue to do this, but I think it's key, you know, to attract new investors globally. Now, the ILLM's book is not only meant for Islamic banks. 
is meant for institutions offering Islamic financial services. So uh, beyond just Islamic banks, traditional Islamic banks, so other institutions that are offering Islamic financial services that are conventional institutions also participate in our support. So we need to reach out more to them. Direct treatment of the ILLM paper is also something very important and standardizing these uh, uh, rec treatment across different jurisdictions is something we need to focus on going forward uh, because this is helpful for Islamic banks across uh, various jurisdictions. Once you have an appropriate regulatory treatment for your paper in the jurisdictions, you can see an uptick uh, you know, in the number of investors generally. Thank you for listening. For more discussions on the Islamic finance industry, log on to www.islamicfinancenews.com. You can also listen to IFN Podcast on your favorite platforms, including iTunes and Spotify.